Please note our website has changed to riskcommentary.ca. You're listening to the Risk Commentary Podcast. Are you responsible for managing risk but feel frustrated with a confused process? Your host, Edward Robertson, has helped clients not only face uncertainty but also solve chronic business problems by using clear methods with a minimal footprint. Do it right and your people will smile, love the risk process and invite you back. Stay tuned to find out how. Welcome to the Risk Commentary Podcast. I'm your host, Edward Robertson, and this is Episode 3, Enterprise Risk Management, Busting Myths, Part 2 of 2. Well, in Episodes 1 and 2, we asked why is ERM so incredibly convoluted and seemingly complex, and we started to answer that question by explaining that there's been a proliferation of advice leading to, I think, arguably a confusion of foundational definitions and core methods and practices. And then we started looking at uh, myth-busting, that is an examination of misconceptions, what I take to be misconceptions in the field based on observation and experience. And in this episode, I want to continue that discussion. Let's look at the remaining myths uh, in the list of issues that I've identified. So in each case, what I'll do is I'll give you the lesson or the point to take away for application in your own risk management regime. Myth number eight Managers, directors, analysts, CEOs, and so on, all know how to implement new programs. This is very similar to the myth that I discussed last time, number seven, where managers can be expected in all fields to implement risk assessment when they are non-experts. And, of course, that is indeed a myth. So in a similar way, I think we tend to take for granted that managers and others, once they decide to implement a new program, uh, will be successful and that the only determinant of success is the quality of the program itself. And really what the literature shows is that's not the case at all. The rates of program failure and program under-delivery are extraordinarily high, and this is in all domains across all managerial settings, administrative uh, contexts, and so on. So I'll try to uh, put a few articles in the show notes that substantiate what I'm claiming here. Um, Perhaps you've already seen this in your working life, where programs um, tend to fail for a variety of reasons. So, of course, enterprise risk management is going to be subject to the very same difficulties that any administrative program will suffer from. So there's a fairly long list of reasons for program failure and uh, corresponding success factors. And in my work, I've tried to distill uh, pretty broad literature in this regard down to uh, let's say, a list of the top 10 or something like that. But I'm sure you've seen this in your working life where, let's say, the top level will not be persistent and be uh, faithful to one uh, management program and see it through to success. They, in other words, management tends to be rather fickle in their in their priorities. That's one reason, common reason, for program failure. Another one is uh, lack of clear goals and objectives. Another one is lack of buy-in, lack of uh, take-up by staff. That's pretty much a classic one. Another one is actually lack of uh, support from the senior levels, from senior executive. So in each of these factors, the question becomes, all right, well, then how do we actually secure persistence? How do we secure staff buy-in and support? 
It has largely to do with proving the value of a process, or I should say, letting the people, the intended recipients of this new program, let them prove the value to themselves. That's really the only way that they're going to be convinced. So I think this is a common point of failure for many enterprise risk management programs, especially when the initiative has been really imposed on the staff then the pushback will be considerable. Uh, People will avoid the new program. They'll go around it. They'll even uh, sabotage it. So these questions of uh, the success factors in program implementation really need serious consideration. And that really is my takeaway for this point. We can't expect that enterprise risk management will be successful if it doesn't meet a whole series of conditions that really all management initiatives have in common. Myth number nine, enterprise risk management can best be implemented by using a software application. Well, this is just another example of the strange myth we have in management culture that technology in and of itself will save the day, that it will rescue the business, or that it will make a new program successful. Well, just in the same way as programs in general have a high rate of failure or under-delivery, this is especially true in IT. And, you know, the data here backs me up. The strange thing is that all of the difficulties in IT implementation that were experienced in the early years, let's say even in the late 90s or early 2000s, all of these things are reappearing. They're resurfacing. And a new generation of users, developers, programmers, and so on are uh, having difficulty, and they don't realize that... um, all of these problems have really been already identified and solved. But this this information is not making its way into management programs. If you're interested in going a little bit deeper into this, I did a three-part series audio posts on my LinkedIn account, and I'll put a link in the show notes. So our takeaway for this point is more than just a suggestion. It's actually a huge warning. Do not commit to a huge spend on technology. Do not commit yourself to some sort of enterprise application that you think will make the enterprise risk management initiative successful before you have met certain conditions, namely proving the value of risk assessment and enterprise risk management generally in a low-tech, paper-based way that everyone signs on to. Myth number 10, defining risk tolerance is essential to an ERM program. Well, this is an example of uh, a term that has been imposed upon managers who are not necessarily dealing with finance or investment as their core business. So while in financial investment, we might be able to quantify or describe clearly our level of risk tolerance or risk appetite, it isn't necessarily appropriate to cast things in those terms for, let's say, a social services agency. So our takeaway for this point is that It isn't necessary to take absolutely literally and to act on all of the terms, the vocabulary items that are imposed by the risk management discourse on our particular business. We can pick and choose. So, for example, an organization might do well to express in positive terms its goals, its aspirations, its values, and then, of course, try to uh, execute on that mission within the constraints of the resources that it has available to it. And then when assessing risk, 
it can use the idea of risk tolerance as one of the criteria to evaluate identified risk. In other words, the risks that affect more closely our core business, we're going to have a low tolerance for and thus try to mitigate, whereas other identified risks will be more peripheral to our mission and so less critical. Therefore, risk tolerance is not necessarily exactly quantified. It's simply a relative notion. So if you want to pursue in more detail this issue of risk tolerance and risk appetite, those two terms uh, were the subject of a paper by RIMS, Risk and Insurance Management Society, where they uh, explained and described the uh, evolution and application of those terms, and it might be useful for you. So I'll put an, a link in the show notes to that paper. Myth number 11, monitoring compliance constitutes effective ERM. Some organizations might construe their enterprise risk management program as essentially a compliance program, and that might be appropriate depending on the organizational setting and the the industry and so on. There could be an imperative for adherence to statutory law or professional code or something like that. Other examples would be a scientific operation or a technical operation where you have adherence to certain procedures or specifications. So the classic problem with the compliance approach to risk management is that it runs the risk of just being too superficial, where you take too much for granted. And of course, they call that the check the box approach. So I remember back in government, I used to compare notes uh, with my supervisor uh, in the lunchroom, and we would sort of lament the fact that this department or that agency was taking a superficial approach to risk management in the sense that they were just going through a list and checking boxes, but without really investigating what was happening behind the scenes. And that precisely is the risk. Um, Let me quote to you from an article that a a client actually sent me a few years back. I'm not sure if that article is still available. I will put a citation in the show notes. It's called Steering Clear of Compliance Pitfalls. And here's an excerpt. A cursory glance over all the convictions and enforceable undertakings by ASIC in the past five years highlights this over-reliance on policies, procedures, and systems by financial services providers in their compliance programs with little to no work on people, or to put it another way, no work on the company's culture. Both internal and external auditors, as well as compliance and risk officers, pour over documents, flowcharts, plans and reports from computer risk and compliance applications, yet breach registers are overflowing or were still completely empty. So that's the end of the quote. And you can see the difference there with real compliance as opposed to superficial or apparent compliance. So what is our takeaway on this point? It is that a compliance regime may be the appropriate thing for the organization, but we can't construe compliance in sort of a superficial or check-the-box manner. We have to be investigating what the risks are, the uncertainty that the apparent compliance is not reflecting reality. So although I said that a compliance regime may be appropriate for the organization, it has to be said also that if they're not looking at strategic risk in view of the trends and the uh, environment and the industry and so on, then of course the organization will be running risk on a broad strategic scale as opposed to mere compliance on an operational level. The next myth that we want to explore is number 12, linking corporate strategy to ERM is difficult and complex. And so I characterize this as a myth, although I can see how someone would think this way if they were going by the survey results that we discussed in episode one. 
it seems that many are not able to make the connection between the risk practice and the company's strategy. Actually, the survey results reflected that either they can't make the connection or they don't even bother to try. So I certainly characterize this as a myth. It's neither difficult nor complex. It stems straight from the definition of risk itself, which is the effect of uncertainty upon goals. So that necessarily presumes that you've got goals. In other words, that you have some sort of a planning regime in place. The other requirement, of course, is that you have some sort of a risk ID and assessment process. Now, from my point of view, there is no such thing as strategic risk assessment as some sort of specialized or unique operation. It's simply the risk assessment process applied to a specific context, which in this case is your strategic plan. Now, the risk identification and assessment process that I recommend, I call high-quality risk assessment. High-quality in the sense that it's rigorous, it's structured, and it's very closely specified. It's not an informal or ad hoc discussion of risk. But the pertinent point for now is that this high-quality risk assessment is scalable. You can apply it to a business unit plan, to a departmental plan, to a divisional plan, to the company plan. You can apply it to operational plans, to any sort of project plan. You can also apply it to strategy. So the takeaway for this point is really twofold. One is, as I'm insisting, that there is a risk ID and assessment process that is simply applicable to whatever context you want to consider, including strategic planning. And the other point is that your success in identifying strategic risk and mitigating it will not be solely contingent upon risk assessment. It will be contingent upon the quality of your planning. So the questions become, is your strategic plan well-founded? Is it substantiated through research and environmental scan and investigation into industry trends and innovations and things like that? Secondly, is the plan well-formulated in terms of goals and objectives? So I have a discussion of the strategic planning process in my book called Strategic Planning, and this was the very process that I put in place in a private company, and our efforts were rewarded with winning the Chamber of Commerce Business of the Year. So I recommend that you read that. You know, it's curious. Planning is rarely discussed in risk management circles, and yet I find there's sort of an 80-20 rule, whereby 80% of the work is actually spent in fixing the client's planning regime. And if that is done properly, then the, the risk assessment itself just goes like clockwork. Why? Because then people have absolute clarity on what their strategic identity is all about, where they're situated in the market, what their strategic aims are, what their goals and objectives are, and they're properly formulated. So then you can actually conduct risk assessment in a logical way and start to really determine the uncertainties that are inherent in the plan. If you haven't conducted an environmental scan and discovered what's happening um, in the industry, what the innovations are, what the emerging risks are in the environment, and so on, it stands to reason that your plan is going to be poorly informed right from the start. The next myth that we would like to consider is number 13, ERM takes three to five years to implement. This follows, I think, quite naturally on the idea that enterprise risk management is really complex and convoluted and complicated and so on. Um, and it was also the industry wisdom at the time. This is what was told to me uh, back when I was working in government. 
but I disproved it. I was the lead consultant for the implementation of enterprise risk management in a post-secondary institution. And there was, the, of course, all the complexity of uh, a college with the division between the academic side and the administrative side. And yet we had ERM, or college-wide implementation, as they preferred to call it, up and running within 18 months. Now, this was not short-lived. I was able to check back on this years later, and uh, it stood the test of time and was still well-liked and uh, a, a robust practice. Not only that, it got praise from the Auditor General. So I can definitely assert, based on experience, that an enterprise risk management program in a complex organization need not take three to five years. Successful implementation can be a matter of weeks or months rather than years. Well, let's consider one last myth in our long list. This is number 14. Good ERM predicts the future. It is effective forecasting. I think it's a popular notion that risk management is a form of forecasting to be able to predict, well, especially disaster risk, which is foremost in the mind of the public in sort of a, an alarmist sense of risk. But really, it's a myth. There's a distinct difference between forecasting and risk management. Forecasting is the attempt to specify one definite future with uh, certain features or uh, certain measures and so on. Whereas risk assessment is the investigation of uncertainty. It's looking forward in an expansive view to try to identify all of the various contingencies and uncertainties that are associated with a certain plan of action. Now, both forecasting and risk assessment do rely on information from the past, but again, there's a distinct difference. Forecasting is an attempt to, in a statistical manner, predict an exact future based on the method of probability, and that includes, of course, the actuarial model where you do have statistical data to rely on, whereas risk assessment applied to strategic and operational plans is the exercise of mapping the professional memories of participants in a roundtable against all of the various potential uncertainties that are contingent upon the plan. Enterprise risk management, then, properly speaking, does not try to predict the future. It identifies the uncertainties and then takes immediate action to mitigate them. If you think about it, we simply don't have the historical statistical data to bring to bear upon all of the various strategic and operational decisions that we have to make. So for that reason, we rely on the roundtable method. Well, thank you for sticking with me through this discussion of the various myths and misconceptions in enterprise risk management. I hope it was useful. I look forward to speaking with you soon on the next episode of Risk Commentary Podcast. Thank you for listening. Please note our website has changed to riskcommentary.ca. Visit today for episode transcripts as well as books and online courses. That's riskcommentary.ca.